This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Well, welcome again to another edition of the Tesla Owners Online Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page. Ah, ha, ha, guys, we got a really good show lined up for you tonight, but I want to say hi to my two co-hosts. We got Ian Pavelko and uh, Eric Camacho joining us tonight. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How is everybody else? Greetings to all of our listeners around the world. Eric, you're. Um, this is the last time we're going to see this uh, this backdrop of yours, right? Isn't it glorious? I, you know what? It's due for a change. Uh, I am moving into my brand new house. Well, I should say it's brand new, but for me, it's new. But I move into my new house on this weekend, uh, on Sunday. Uh, nice. So by the time we do our new show next week, I'll have a new backdrop in a much smaller, confined space. But overall, the unit will be much larger. So are you are you going to be doing it from like a specific office? Like are you setting up an office? So my I'll have a three bedroom villa, and uh, the smaller of the three, I should say, the smallest of the three rooms will be my office and treadmill. The treadmill is going to be in there too. So this will be, if you're watching this on YouTube, the treadmill off to my shoulder will be uh, in the office as well. But uh, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be an actual office as opposed to sitting in what is a dining room of my apartment. Yeah. One of these days I got to maybe consider setting up a podcast studio up in my spare bedroom, which is currently the uh, junk room. That's where we put all of our stuff. AKA yes. the torture chamber. <laughs> no, not quite. Okay. Not quite. <laughs> it's if it's not junk it's just my wife puts a lot of gifts and wrapping paper and all kinds of stuff in there anyways it's a nightmare how about you ian what's new and exciting wow you're catching me completely off guard here i got really <laughs> i got nothing you should know better by now i got nothing yeah no you got I, nothing? yeah i got nothing i got nothing what Life is, is eric wearing what do you mean he's wearing his hat <laughs> oh sorry i, I didn't if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, again, you should watch the show on YouTube from time to time. We put some pretty funny stuff there. Um, so over this weekend, I also ran the um, the Walt Disney World Marathon weekend. I did the half marathon and the full marathon, a.k.a. the Goofy Challenge. Uh, it was 39.3 miles of... Yeah, it was, it was, you know what, I've done the, I've done that distance and then some before. I've once done the Dopey Challenge in 2015, which is... A 5K, a 10K, the half, and the full over the course of four days. Uh, that's uh, a labor of love. Um, but the uh, the Goopy Challenge was, it was hot this year. Uh, normally, the temperatures are in the 30s, 40s, 50s. Happened to be in the 80s with like 99% humidity on Sunday. Um, so, um, you know, huge shout out. If you, if you happen to be at the event this weekend or you're a volunteer, or you're in any capacity involving Run Disney, thank you so much for everything you've done. Uh, we really, you know, you make runners. I, there was even like a woman who had to sign on the, um, she was on the, uh, the race course at Epcot, uh, in the world showcase. And her sign said free hugs and, and high fives. Uh, and it was just like, I come running to her and she's like, Oh my God, come here. And just a huge bear hug. And it, it's just, these events are always, um, a, a major, major event to produce, uh, whether it's New York city, Boston, Chicago, Disney, anything else. I mean, any race of that magnitude is, is a huge, huge effort and takes a lot of people to put it together. Um, but it was, a, it was a great event, very memorable. Um, I have three race medals on my counter off to my right shoulder um, for doing the challenge. Uh, I think this marks my, I think I now have 24 Disney medals or something like that. I've, I've I got a lot of Disney medals. Well, you're doing a lot better than I have because I have exactly this many. We match. Zero. I would not be able to even run to the uh, registration booth, let alone 
doing anything else. So, well, the good news is you can register online, so like we can save you some miles right there. Well, <laughs> all the more, all the more to you for doing that because I could never do that. Thank you. Well, we have uh, we have lots to talk about tonight. There's some really interesting stuff um, from Tesla News. Uh, we will get to uh, listener, viewer, and questions. I want to say thank you for everybody who did submit. If you're new to the show, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Um, we have a question and answer period that we do uh, towards the second half of the podcast. Um, we ask that people submit questions on our Twitter account. That's Model 3 Owners or Tesla Owners Online. You can search for either one of them. We have a Google form that we put out the day of the podcast. Usually we do the podcast on Thursdays. So if you ever want to submit a question about whatever happens to be, whatever's on your mind, we will do our best to try and answer that. So we have lots of questions. So we're going to try and get through the news here and get to that part. Well, so the big pers- the first piece of news that uh, came out this week is, and uh, this is courtesy of our friends at Tesla Roddy, the Tesla Model Y has, uh, re- has um, obtained its certification for the uh, CARB uh, certificate. Um, now, I would caution people to expect that this car will start shipping right away. But anyways, I'll go on here, read a little bit here, that the uh, based on the document posted on the website, the Model Y's urban dynamometer dynamometer thank you driving schedule is rated at 441.91 miles you have to be careful though because that's not real world range the multiplier about that is about 0.7 which puts the car at approximately 309 miles of city range so um it's very very close to the um uh to the uh, epa range of the uh, model 3 which is rated at 280 miles or, sorry, the electric car manufacturer lists the Model Y performance range on its website. It's 280 miles. So if the Model Y hits about 309, puts it real close to the range of the uh, Model 3, which hits uh, 310. This is awesome news. Now, the timing is also interesting, too, because a lot of people were talking about Twitter. Well, you know, Tesla released uh, or got their certification on uh, July 3rd of 2017, and that was about 25 days-ish before the first deliveries on the 28th. However, you have to remember, the first deliveries of the Model 3, were to employees at the delivery event. Those were really hand-built cars. Ramp-up production didn't start for at least three months after that. Now, however, said that, having said that, I do expect the Model Y ramp, all things considered, to actually, hopefully, if they've taken all their learnings, as they've been saying they have, um, to actually hit a little bit sooner. So I guess I'm, I guess the bottom line is what we're saying here. We're kind of sticking with our timeline, maybe around April, for uh, production start of what i think would be the initial ones which will be the founders edition right because they're doing a founders edition of the model y correct so those will go to you know people that won them supposedly right because of the referral program um insiders at the company usually you know uh, executives and that type of thing so i don't know um by the way oh, real quick for those you do not know when we say carb that is the california, california air, resources air resources board uh, so that is a major certification. Uh, you want to have that, particularly when it comes to electric vehicles. Yes, thanks for clarifying that. I forgot to mention that. I was going to say that, but uh, all right, thank you. Well, you didn't, so I did. So there we go. <laughs> We're moving on. Well, we appreciate that, Eric. <laughs> um, yeah, so things are looking pretty rosy on the Model Y. I mean, all things considered, uh, it has been getting a lot of love lately because all the you know the traffic's been going on on the mm-hmm. Cybertruck. But um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Model Y. Of course, uh, more and more of the production candidates have been spotted. Uh, down in the southern, in the Bay Area. Uh, black ones, white ones, you name the color, they've all been spotted down there. So it's looking really well, uh, really good. Um, 
I don't have any pictures to show you, but you can look it up on the internet. Uh, for those of you who are asking, the Model Y is very close to the Model X in size. It's a little smaller, but not as small as you may think. A lot of people have been putting it between the size of a Model 3 and a Model, y, uh, Model X. But um, anyways, looking good. It's uh, it's The more you look at the car, the, the better it looks. At first, it wasn't 100% too sure. I mean, it's like one of those things. I mean, when you see a car in pictures and you see it in real life, it's two different things. It's just like the Model 3 when you first saw it in pictures. You're like, eh, not too bad until you see it in person. I mean... Anyways, looking good on that front. Um, any thoughts on that before we move on? It's all good. I mean, I, yeah. I personally think that um, the closer we get to the production start, uh, and once we start seeing them on the road in earnest, when we're not seeing prototypes, we're seeing you know first production models on the roads, uh, especially out west in California. I think the more eyes on it, the more butts they get to see it, the more showrooms they get to have them for display. Um, this is really going to take off. I, 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 th I mean, we, we talked in a, what was it think two shows ago? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, our, our, our guesstimates in terms of production ramp up and that sort of thing. Um, I, I just, I really feel like this is going to take off much faster, uh, than people expect. So the more news that comes out, the better. Uh, I know the more photos we see, the more, uh, the more, uh, energized people get about it's getting closer, you know? Yeah. Um, but this is Christmas to come early for Tesla owners, I would say. Yeah, the Y is a real sleeper. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of noise, of course, because of the stock price that's been going up and stuff that, uh, you don't know, a lot of the, sh yeah, the, you know, the shorts are typical. Oh, there's a demand cliff. There's, you know, there's not going to be any demand. I mean, they're not even taking the Model Y into consideration and North America's affinity for small SUVs. So, yeah. Um, again, it's, uh, even if they start in Q1, it's still going to be a little bit slow. Well, actually, this is more of a Q2 car, but Q1's relatively soft for any uh, car market anyway. Mm -hmm. So, And unfortunately, we still don't have a date yet for um, Tesla's financial numbers for the uh, uh, fourth quarter. So we'll keep an eye on that. That'll be early February, I think. You know, just our luck. It'll be during our vacation time, but whatever. <laughs> All right, moving on. The I, next I, article. Oh, yes, go ahead, Ian. One moment. Oh, just, just to finish that Model Y thought, um, yeah. we didn't. One thing that concerns me is we haven't seen any of these cars at any of the um, the testing centers. Like, if you recall, during the Model Y development, we had a lot of people spotting uh, Model Ys at Traffic Research Center in Ohio, you know, where they obviously did crash testing or high-speed evaluations, and also even a couple of spottings of the cars uh, here at the Transport Canada Center in Quebec. And I haven't seen anything like that on Model Y. And that, to me, would be fairly essential that that happen before the car, you know, go into production. So you meant, Maybe, model, you meant model 3 when you mentioned the testing, because you said Model Y. Yes. So that, well, That's what he meant. Okay, yeah, exactly. Well, model, we, we saw lots of Model 3s in early days right, prior okay. to production starting at the test centers. I haven't seen anything for Model Y yet on that. Now, maybe it's just because everybody's so seeing them on the streets and, you know, no one's really paying attention. We don't have any spies in those area. And there was so many more eyeballs, I think, you know, on, on the development spy cars, spying, you know, going to the testing centers for Model uh, for Model 3. But I just find it odd that we haven't seen anything I there. wonder if it's because so much of the car is Model 3 that they know all they need to know from that car. I mean, maybe there are certain tests they wanted to perform, like you mentioned the crash mm -hmm. test and some other things. Uh, but I think that if the majority of that vehicle, of you know, what we say, the like 85, 90% of the car is Model 3 parts already, um, they may know most what they need to know just to kind of say we're good. Um, I mean, you might be right. There could be some other tests that we're not aware of, but they also may be using different facilities for those tests. We're just not aware Possible. of them. Well, it's definitely possible, yeah. Entirely yeah. possible. You do have to remember, the too, that, um, I mean, Tesla's not the only company that does this, but most manufacturers now design all of their crash testing 
largely in software now. They only do the real crash test to validate the accuracy of their software in mm -hmm. most cases. So it's not to say they're not going to crash some of these cars. They do. Um, I mean, during the Model 3 days, I mean, they were testing these cars at the uh, Honda track in Ohio. I don't know where they're going now for the Model Y. But again, um, you know, we still have a few more months here, so it's not like it's going to happen yeah, overnight, sure. but still a little bit of time. But yes, you're absolutely right. You do make a good point on that, that we haven't actually seen any of this stuff yet. But who knows with Tesla? Maybe they're keeping a little more quiet. Um, um, as far as I'm concerned, I think the drivetrain has been sorted out. It's mostly Model 3 anyway. So at this point, I mean, if they're just doing the dynamometer stuff, um, now they know what the, you know, they can register for, for carb and stuff to get their certificate, which is exactly what they've done. So I'm pretty sure they know what the numbers are uh, as far as that's concerned. So anyways, if anything, uh, transpires, we will, uh, we'll report back on that. All right. Um, so we can move on. All right, let's move on. <laughs> uh, well, it looks like we are finally going to get a change in the way that Bluetooth phone calls are handled in the cars. Now I want to show you guys this on uh, Twitter. Uh, there is a Twitter user, uh, Rob Holm, who uh, tweeted out, he says, getting lots of traction on this idea, highest voted on Reddit, detect driver's seat in seat before switching to Bluetooth. Uh, they got a link to a website called Tesla Ideas. I'll put a link in the show notes, you guys can check it out. And um, anyways, so the, 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 the point here is that Elon responded, he says, thanks for mentioning this, we should have done this ages ago. Now, I want to talk about this because this is this is a bit of an issue here. Um, I think most of you do realize that when you have your phone connected to Bluetooth in the car, you get out of the car, you're walking around the car, music is playing, the phone rings, whatever, and it always goes to the bloody car all the time. It drives me crazy. So what they're suggesting at this point is actually to detect someone in the driver's seat before the Bluetooth switches to the car which I think is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it looks like Tesla is uh, is going to implement this. Now, when, we don't know, but at least it got Elon's attention, and he definitely agrees on this. So uh, I, this is really welcome. I mean, there's a bunch of other things, too. I think there's some other suggestions we're going to get in the comments uh, later on in the show and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I can't believe that something as simple as that escaped my mind for, like, the longest time. But I absolutely agree with this. You guys think so? Does that it'll, drive you crazy? It'll be interesting to see how they get that figured out. Um, because you have to, if you're near the car with Bluetooth enabled on the Model 3 and you're using keyless entry, then obviously there's some Bluetooth connectivity already. So yes. there's certain features of Bluetooth that are essentially going to, like, not have, like, the like your, you know, your car alerting you, your phone's ringing or something like that, unless you're in the seat. But, um That'll be that'll be quite a challenge for the engineers to figure out. I, I I would hope that they make it user selectable in the sense of seat detection or whatever, because there are times when I might be wanting to work on the car. I'm not sitting mm -hmm. in the seat. I got the right. windows rolled down, and I want to listen to music. Mm -hmm. How do you balance that? I mean, you know, I also think that there are a lot of folks who probably aren't bothered by this. I'm one of those who don't really get that flustered with it because, like, I have a, a Garmin wristwatch, uh, and my Garmin at least lets me know if there's phone alerts text calls what have you so even if i if my phone's in the car and I'm, let's say running in and out of my apartment or something like that um where the car is not locking because the phone's uh on the charging dock at least my my wristwatch will let me know i have an alert on my phone of some kind um if i'm standing outside my car and i hear it ringing that's fine um but i can see for some people that's like don't switch <laughs> you know i'm on the yeah. call or you know don't come off my airpods or whatever so music music doesn't bother me quite as much as a phone call Mm -hmm. But I have to think those functions are separate. Like they have to be separate streams in Bluetooth that you know you can you can identify and oh, say, yeah, okay, absolutely. Turn yeah. the media, leave the media the way it is, but just change the way that you hand phone calls. In other words, it has to register a seat from a signal from the seat in order for the phone call. 
to be mm -hmm. activated. Yeah. Well, I'll be curious to see how they implement it, but uh, I think it's long overdue, and Elon seems to agree, so mm -hmm. I kind of agree with that. Uh, let's see here. I mean, what they else can, we got? They can tell when something's in a seat and not wearing its seatbelt. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. No, that's... <laughs> Yeah, if that's that's not a problem. That's that's the yeah. easy part. Exactly. All right. The uh, next thing we want to talk about is Elon took to Twitter this week to remind everyone that uh, Tesla's will soon talk to people if you want. He says this is real. I'm not going to play the audio here, but uh, a quick shot of uh, two Model Threes passing each other, and one of them is playing something. I couldn't quite make out what it was saying. Did you guys figure that out? What it was? Uh, what it was saying? I you heard it. I don't it, remember but... what it said, but I was able to make it after like three or four plays of the video back. Yeah. Um, just as a reminder, this is for cars built as of September of last year with the pedestrian speaker that's in the front of the car. There are no words whether this is going to be a retrofit. My understanding is that at least part of the wiring harness is sitting there, just based on my exploration that there was two body clips still attached to the uh, wiring harness, but mine has the speaker. Anyways, this is going back to something that Elon wanted to do and said that they were going to implement eventually, which is custom sounds that you'd be able to play. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Model 3s since September of last year have the noisemaker built in, so when you put it in drive, if the speed is less than 19 miles per hour, 30 kilometers per hour, it makes like a, a, a low hiss, hissing sound in forward, and it makes this weird UFO Jetson sound when you put it in reverse. Um, Elon then took to Twitter and said, of course, your car will be able to fart in their general direction. So there's some Monty Python <laughs> reference. <laughs> you got to like that. And of course, you know, the Twitter feed, I'll put a link in it. You guys can check it out. But there's, you know, I mean, there's lots of people responding. Oh, I'd like to hear um, uh, Ryan actually said, I'd like uh, Dr. Malcolm from Jurassic Park. Uh, let me see here. Um, uh, Andy says, can we get Stephen Fry? I suggested Morgan Freeman. I, I'd, I'd like people to do that. So that'd be a um, um, Samuel L. Jackson would also be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Some, some <laughs> um, like someone else on Twitter said, "I'd love to be able to hear them talk to pedestrians," and Elon said, "They will." What that what that entitles to, I, I don't know. But um, I'm going to have fun with this. I'm going to put goat sounds and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I I you know it'd be great if they could do it. Um, so for those who are visually impaired. This is a great option, right? Because even if you can't see the car coming, you can hear it. It'd be great if they could design something where there's some pulse or some some low frequency sound that's emitted that allows those who are auditory impaired to be able to feel there's a car in that area. Like the brown note? Something, <laughs> some, something that if they could use that same box uh, to have to have an option where just... If I mean, if it could do both, both audible and and sens sensory, that'd be great. Um, but I think it'd be great at some point because I think there's a lot of people out there who, um, you know, are hearing impaired to some degree. I know I have some hearing loss just from from birth defects, and um, you know, while I do hear now, there's a number of folks I know who are legally deaf, uh, and it would be something to help them, especially when electric cars are mostly silent. I hear exactly where you're coming from. Um, I will. Uh, <laughs> I will tell you, however, as an ex-audio engineer, that the speaker uh, in there is not big enough to be able to emit okay. very low-frequency sounds. Okay. There's a reason woofers are this big in the big concert venues, mm -hmm. because they need to push a lot of air. A little speaker like that's not going to push enough. Okay. So. Yeah. Some, some sound, like yes. Something, vibration. something down the line yeah. would be fantastic. If you, they can... you can't hit that 80 hertz in your chest with a little speaker like that. Sorry. No, no and that, that would, I mean... I think you'd still have to be in the range. It might still be audible to everybody else. I mean, I mean, it'd be like that kid going down your street at, you know, 
2 a.m. on Sunday morning with like the bass cranking. <laughs> I mean, you'd you'd still any it wouldn't just be a hearing impaired person who would sense it in their body. You'd sense the vibrations. I mean, anybody around. And the problem with, as you know, um, there's been a lot of weapons technology based on this they've been developing over the last few mm -hmm. years. So if you get too carried away with it, somebody who's got a really sensitive intestinal tract, <laughs> coming back mm -hmm. to the brown note, uh, it, it, I don't know. It's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to know if you could do it in such a way that, you know, only somebody who's not got a lot of hearing would maybe notice it. Maybe anybody else with a standard amount of hearing wouldn't. But I, mm -hmm. I have a hard time imagining how that would work. Mm. Um. I just noticed here a little bit further down in the um, in the thread on the in the Twitter uh, thread, I, I noticed someone had asked, uh, "Can this be added to Sentry mode?" And Elon responded, "For sure, this would make for some epic robber confusion." <laughs> oh, no kidding! Oh, that would be awesome, because you know, Sentry mode uh, is still catching people doing nasty things to Tesla. I mean, I saw a guy there the other day; he was caught. Uh, he was actually knifing a car down the side. So, the heat is real, folks, and yeah, unfortunately, we haven't licked that problem quite yet. All right, unfortunately. All right, moving on. Um, again, another article courtesy of our friends from Teslarati. In a leaked email, it looks like Tesla Semi is to enter production, limited production, in the second half of 2020. Nice. Um, so apparently Elon, or not Elon, but uh, Tesla had sent out an email to some of their, um, I'm going to bring up the, the thing here so you guys can see it here on the screen. Um, this is an email that went out to reservation holders for the Tesla semi-truck. It says, over the last few months, we've continued testing the trucks in real-world real world conditions. We also spent time at a proving ground to evaluate the truck's resilience over rougher road conditions. Using instruments mounted on the vehicle, we collected road input data to ensure the trucks can handle severely degraded roads. At our own Fremont test facility, we subjected the trucks to a number of high-energy discrete events such as curb strikes, potholes and other harsh inputs to confirm the truck is capable of handling common hazards our test vehicles have held up thus held up great thus far and continue to impress in addition to real world tests we also successfully completed several important engineering development checkpoints as the truck's design continues to mature those improvements are being rolled into our plans for building a uh, more production representative vehicles so obviously this isn't uh, final here yet anyways uh, we will have more details on next year in the short term the truck uh, the team is gearing up for several weeks of winter testing to validate the truck's performance in cold weather and low traction conditions. We're excited to share insights uh, from this winter with you, and we'll also be able to highlight the major advantages of electric traction and motor control with no diesel powertrain can match. All right. So the bottom line here is uh, my take from this is that uh, they're still on, on, I mean, even though they've been very quiet since 2017, um, it doesn't mean that this thing has been pushed off to the back burner. They've been spending an inordinate amount of time, if that's the right word, um, testing these vehicles because this is a vehicle you cannot screw up and you can't fix it as you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We've talked about this on the show before. So, Ian, I mean, you know some of this stuff. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, it's it's a great sign to see something coming out of them and acknowledging that development is continuing because exactly as you just said, there's just been so little news it's like it's gone dark and then they push back um you know on the uh, on the production schedule so it was i don't i don't want to say it was looking bleak for a little while but it, it was kind of puzzling as to what was really going on in the background but like you say that you just touched on a really key point is you cannot mess with the commercial sector you know we as private owners you know and tesla enthusiasts and early adopters we'll put up with a lot of little bugs 
you know, that get sorted out yeah. down the line. But commercial operations, that won't fly. Like this thing has to be as close to perfect as it's going to be coming out of the box. And I mean, it's it's going to get judged very, very harshly by the commercial operators, you know. So if it takes longer to, to bake it to perfection, I'm I'm all for it. I think that's great. And I'm really glad to hear they're doing extensive winter testing because that's going to yes. be super key. Yeah. Um, just as a reminder that um, Elon had mentioned during the Q1 2018 earnings call that the semi range would be closer to 600 miles range, even though it was originally announced that it would do up to 500. So it looks like there's some changes there going on, maybe some efficiency changes. Um, I also want to, I think it's important to make a point here too, that the truck's success is also dependent on having the appropriate supercharger network for this. Remember, it's supposed True. to be mega chargers and we have yet to see any activity on that. Now, I mean, it could be rolled up into this supercharger expansion that they've talked about that they want to, you know, increase the size of the network they, um, soon. So I think if this is actually going to start happening in limited fashion later on this year, uh, we should probably start seeing in certain routes maybe just in the california side at least for testing actually maybe even uh reno to fremont yeah um some mega chargers being so uh put out there so um any eagle-eyed you uh viewers and listeners out there in the uh western seaboard in the bay area in that area uh keep your eyes peeled so if you start seeing some activity um, um i would suspect that these will be well partially it could be dependent on who bought these trucks. We know that there's several large names um, that had bought these. So there's a potential that some of those could be installed at those facilities, um, as well as some being act or some new locations or possibly some current existing ones being retrofitted. Now, I'm not familiar with the, um, with the highway system down there between Reno and, and Fremont. And the reason I say Reno to Fremont is because Tesla obviously is going to be one of their own customers to be able to get battery packs and the like uh, back and forward. Um, between Fremont, where they make the Model 3, and where all the drivetrains and batteries are ma actually made over there. Um, not only that, but in California, I could see them start using these trucks, uh, obviously, to do the deliveries of the cars in those areas, to start trucking them around. So, obviously, Tesla's going to be one of the very first customers for this. So, anyway, so the point is, um, if you start seeing some superchargers, mega chargers that look a little different, the connector, by the way, is about this big. It's almost like you take four of the current... Yeah exactly um, like. chargers and you put them side by side it's a big monster like that unfortunately i don't have any pictures of the charge port there are some that exist out there but i don't have it right now anyways i i, those, I those always different. love how in a largely auditory audience you do oh, sorry. hand <laughs> gestures that are <laughs> not helpful to podcast <laughs> listeners uh, let me see here what how big is this i'm not let sure how many minutes we're on to the show but if you want to see his hand gesture go to youtube and just fast forward through all this no i just described it take four of the supercharger yeah. connectors and put them side by side and that's how big it is it's pretty wide i think most people know how big a supercharger connector is now the other all thing right. too is we, we should be looking for completely new locations because if you think of the size yes. of these trucks like they're mm -hmm. they're not going to be adding them to any of the existing sc locations they have to be fairly large dedicated facilities Correct. yeah just like you'd expect for like a truck stop right you know where you'd, mm -hmm. you'd be fueling up semi exactly so. well i think in due time i mean there's a lot of eagle-eyed people out there they're driving around all the time um once one of these start getting getting built uh, we'll know about it it so would sweet. it would not surprise me for example here in florida on the turnpike we have uh, a couple different supercharging stations uh uh, one's at Fort Drum and one's towards the northern end near central Florida. Uh, and both of those have capacities for trucks. So it wouldn't surprise me, for example, there, if one of those locations, they added those uh, uh, charging stations for some of those trucks. Could maybe. be something like that. Something where there's easily spaces. You could do way stations on certain interstates. Uh, you know, there's truck stops. 
that are like off certain major highways where they can get their trucks washed, they can rest, refuel, that sort of thing. So yeah. I'm sure there, I'm sure there are already strategic locations they've had in mind. And I'm yeah. sure they've I'm sure there's already plans, permits, stuff like that in the works that if uh, if they ever leak, we're not surprised where they're going to be going first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK, I, it, just that picture of them being at common truck stops. I have to ask the question. Do you think there's any possibility that old school ice truckers are going to start blocking the mega charger? <laughs> oh, that will happen. Yes, I, you know what? I would I would hope they wouldn't just as a common courtesy yeah. to one another. Um, you know, that brotherhood is pretty unique. I got to um, figure it, it would surprise me if they did. I, I think I think there would be hell to pay if they were to do that. I well, there'll so. be there, there will be inadvertent blockages because it right, just is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I'm sorry, and I, and I hate to be the negativist here, but there will be some deliberate. Anyway, I'm sorry, you heard it first here. <laughs> <laughs> you negative Nancy. Uh, sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. All right. Um. Let's see here. Next article, again, comes from our friends at uh, Tesla Roddy. Look at this. A Tesla owner takes his Model 3 on the ultimate 115,000-mile road trip across the U.S. Um, Arthur Dreesen, who's based in Los Angeles, documented his journey across his U.S. Um, in his blog, Maiden Voyage, A Voyage Without Carbon. And he recently shared his thoughts about covering the distance that would be the farthest done in a Model 3. He says he uh, practically used, abu- sorry, he practically abused the car on almost all kinds of terrains. He's got some wonderful pictures here, by the way. Mm-hmm. And the car got seriously dirty. Our friend uh, Dirty Tesla there on uh, YouTube and Twitter would be happy to see this. Anyways, uh, throughout his adventure, he says riding the Model 3, he actually only had to control uh, two control arms and a rear door hinge replaced, but they were practically self-inflicted damage. He also changed the tires twice uh, when his set of OEM shoes went bald after 10,000 miles and every 20,000 to 25,000 miles after that. He says it's pretty amazing. Over 115,000 miles, no oil changes, no nothing. Um, Arthur says that the Model 3 estimated that he saved around $10,000 in gas comparing to the cost um, if he drove his Civic. He says with the regards uh, uh, to battery range, and this is a big one here, mm-hmm. and degradation, he says the adventure says he did not lose much battery at all. He says he charged 100%, which was just a couple of weeks ago, and he still had 308 miles of range, even though the car is rated at 310. So this is this is totally awesome. <laughs> this is great. That's fantastic. Like that one yeah. stat alone it blew me away. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, like we've been hearing that this battery is more durable than the S and X batteries, but there is the first stone cold proof. And he note that a lot of that uh, trip was supercharging, which we know right. is a lot harder on the battery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's fantastic news. Yeah. He's got a great video. I encourage you to, uh, to read it all. Uh, like I said, all of the topics we're talking about tonight will be linked in the, uh, in the podcast in the video description. So you guys can was, certainly check that it out. That was done in six months, I think, eh? Mm-hmm. Something I like mean, that. that's like somebody had mentioned in the comments. I think it averaged about 680 miles a day. That's pretty hardcore. Seven days yeah. a week. Yeah. So, yeah, good for you, Arthur. I mean, it just goes to show that uh, these cars can certainly go go the range and the distance. So it's awesome to see that. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Last article before we get to um, uh, viewer listener questions. There is a new Tesla wall connector. Ta-da! Oh, yeah! Yes, uh, Tesla has added a new what we what listen. We used to call this the high-powered wall connector. It's too much of a mouthful. It's just called the wall connector. It's still five hundred dollars. New design. So uh, I'll give you some of the specs. Uh, offers up to forty-four miles of range per hour of charge. Uh, keep in mind this unit is limited at forty-eight amps maximum. 
Uh, it is, does no longer offer uh, 72 amps like the previous unit did. It has a thinner cable that's 18 feet compared to the previous 24 feet. It now has a new white tempered glass front. Um, let's see here. What else? Wi-Fi. Now, this is the big one. Um, this one's a, a, a big thing to talk about. It now has Wi-Fi connectivity built in. Now, the reason that Tesla's added Wi-Fi in this, and, and from what they've told us so far, is, is two things. Well, three things. One of them is provisioning. Um, provisioning means that if, if you've ever installed one of these units before, um, uh, on the current, well, on the previous unit, uh, there are dip switches inside that you have to flip and, and match to the current voltage that you're getting out of the house to this unit. So you can provision it to, you know, 30 amps, 40 amps, 50 amps, whatever the case may be. Um, and, but this one is done through Wi-Fi now. So as soon as you get it all hooked up, you turn it on, you scan the QR code uh, on the manual or on the back of the unit, you sign into the built-in web server, and then you tell it what's your amp range on there. Um, the other Wi-Fi connectivity features on there is that they've now expanded the ability of this unit to be daisy-chained. So before it was a limit of four units, this can now do 16. However, what? Um, However, um, they can only be provisioned. Uh, I don't have the manual in front of me here. Oh, son of a gun. Um, but if I remember correctly, you can do, uh, I think it's 60 amps or something. Anyways, I don't don't quote me on that. Anyways, so anyways, uh, the previous units, in order to do the load balancing, the sharing, you had to run another cable and chain it between the different units. Now this is all done wirelessly uh, over Wi-Fi. And they... Um, the other advantage of Wi-Fi in the unit is to be able to do remote monitoring and firmware updates and the ability to add future features in uh, features in the future. Now, I took that as the potential to be able to add uh, the ability to monitor it from your phone, which, which, is, would be awesome, you know, which would be truly awesome, much like what the Powerwall does. Yes, Eric, go ahead. A firmware-based power sharing feature enables up to 16 wall connectors installed at the same site to intelligently share the site's total available power via unit-to-unit Wi-Fi. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Now, the expansion, the... the expansion of 16 plus the addition of being able to do firmware updates to add new features in the future leads me to believe that there is a very good possibility that Tesla is going to jump in with some kind of open standard, much like open charge point protocol to be able to um, have these more of a smart grid type system because there is a movement in the third-party charger market now to go to these smart chargers so that the utility companies can actually tar talk to the... Uh, like, imagine you have a, uh, a community of users and the whole community, maybe not the whole community, but a larger <laughs> community starting putting these electrical uh, electric cars in there. Now you're starting to put... If everybody charges at the same time, now you're overloading the grid. You want a smart uh, there's grid. There's been a lot of, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. So by having the smart charging capabilities in there, now the utilities can come in and actually do a little bit more communications. Okay, let's, okay, this guy's got this much charge. He doesn't need as quite as much. Let's load him down and, and then just balance the grid and stuff like that. This is truly the future. You know, when people make the argument of, oh, there's not enough electrical grid to support all the electric cars. Yes, there is, but it has to be managed. And this is the movement that's going forward. So anyways, I take this as a possibility that Tesla may add this in the future to this unit. So it's a little bit more future-proof for those kind of things. I'm not saying that the current unit is bad or anything like that. It certainly is. But the fact that they're doing this and having the ability to do firmware upgrades in the future leads me to believe that there's, there's some kind of play here that they haven't disclosed yet. 
One thing I should mention is, uh, and it's a little known fact that I just learned uh, from my mobile service tech, is that the existing units that we have now can be updated. They apparently, there's a communication wire on the plug that talks to the car, and the car, you can go through the car's Wi-Fi connection, and that can talk to the, the wall connector, and oh. it can actually update the wall connector. Mm -hmm. so, I yeah. mean, not nowhere near the capabilities what we're talking about now. But Well, it's not as transparent as this. Stone dumb. They actually can... Yeah, to... it's not as transparent as what this potentially no. would be. No, 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 but just, just, just saying. Anyways, um, it intrigued me enough to um, to want me to order one, so I ordered one, and it's uh, shipped. Of course you did. <laughs> I still haven't installed my Elon signed one that I got from the referral program uh, last year. So my new house, I'll be able to do that, but just not so, here. So needless to say, um, when I get it, I will do a uh, unboxing and an install and um, try and answer as many questions as I can in a video so you guys can see what this beast is all about. So I'm very excited about this. I think personally, uh, you know, I j sometimes with Tesla, you just got to read between the lines. I mean, they're not disclosing exactly what they're doing with this, but I think this opens up a huge possibility for expansion mm -hmm. in the future. So anyways, fear of missing out, right? That's just me. <laughs> and I like toys. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the uh, you just, articles you just, like, for this week. You're shining your Tesla confirmation pages. That's all you like to do. You <laughs> order a jacket for your wife. You get a new high-power wall connector. You get yourself a reservation for $100 for the Cybertruck. Yeah, Mr. Moneybags, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Not right. <laughs> I, all I right. I got to create new content. Don't you understand? <laughs> yes. Well, part yes. You know, it is content. Right. All right, uh, let's take a break here from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back with your uh, questions, answers to your questions. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. All right, we're back. Uh, so this is the portion of the show where we answer your questions. Once again, a reminder, we put out a tweet earlier in the day. Uh, of the day of the recording of the podcast where you can submit your questions through a Google form. All right, first question comes from our friend Eric. He says, did you hear about the owner who had a rock damage on the bottom of his Model 3 damaging the connectors that connect the hoses to the battery pack, which meant that his insurance had to pay $15,000 to replace the battery pack? Do you think that Tesla could offer a stronger plate for Model 3s as an aftermarket or that they would strengthen the bottom of the car? Now, honestly, Eric, I didn't know what you were talking about, so I went and did my little Google foo there, my jazz hands routine, and I did find the post you're talking about. Now, it appears, and unfortunately, I don't have the pictures here in front of me here to show you guys, but it appears that someone looks like they might have ran over a rock or something like that. Anyway, so if you look at the bottom of a Model 3, if you've ever seen it on a lift, there is a fiber board from the front motor to the battery pack, and there's another one at the rear. It looks like whatever impacted this pushed the fiber board up, and then underneath there, there are the connectors for... Uh, the battery packs, electronics, as well as the liquid coolant lines. So anyways, apparently they can't fix this thing. It's a whole unit. Have to replace the whole battery. So that's where this thing is coming from. Now, do I think that they could improve the uh, plate on there? There is a distinct possibility. This is the first time that I've ever seen anything like this. Now, for those of you who might not have been around for quite that long, in the early part of 2013, there were... Yes, sorry. I'm air doing quotes air quotes. Way. I'm doing air quotes here, and Eric is mocking me. Sorry. Um, 
in the early part of 2013, there were um, two to three Model S battery fires in the early days uh, that were due to uh, road debris that people had run over. And a couple instances was these, you know, multi-headed hitches that fell off of pickup trucks. Anyway, so it got caught in the space between where the battery pack is and where the steering mechanism is for the Model S, and it jackknifed into that and punctured the battery. Anyway, so Tesla very quickly, within about two weeks, uh, started offering retrofits and built into the cars a new titanium plate in there that essentially stopped that whole problem right from the beginning. Ever since then, it's never been an issue anymore. So, are we seeing another repeat of this? I don't know. Um, I've never, I mean, Tesla's built way more Model 3s than they ever did on Model S's at this point, and this is the first time I've ever seen anything like this. So, Well, the thing, the thing that I'm trying to figure out is if the size of this rock, which we don't know what it was, it obviously wasn't something very small, um, how do you miss that? Like to me, you're you're not paying attention to what you're to where you're you know what the train is, what's in front of you. Because even if it's too small for an autopilot to detect with the cameras and the sensors in the car, you would still think just visually as you're driving, going, "Oh my gosh, there's a large object in the road. Let me get around it." If you actually then hit it, drive over, it, and it and it you know gets underneath your car, and that's what causes the damage, that's unfortunate. But I mean, I, I mean, this has to be a huge rock to do that. I mean, I don't know. And I, you would feel something like that. Right, that's mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Like, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not trying to fault the driver in this instance. I, mm -hmm. I don't know the circumstances surrounding the accident, but that's a that's a pretty good sized rock to not have noticed before you hit it. Yeah. So, I'm just curious as to why nobody yet has offered um, a front skid plate for the Model 3. They're very common for a lot of the cars. Like all of my Correct. Audis, you know, because I did rallying, I, I had these, you know, quarter inch thick uh, aluminum plates and they're really cheap. They're like 250 bucks. And these things were bomb proof. I mean, I cracked enough oil pans on the cars to like, okay, that's, a, I'm out. You know, like, I'm not doing that anymore. And an oil pan on that car is about $900. When you're talking about the potential to wipe out connectors on a $15,000 battery, I'd gladly spend 300 right. bucks for an aluminum plate to replace the fiberboard. You know, especially the fact that I rally this car. And, you know, sometimes in those conditions, when you're going fast on those kind of roads, like a little rock in the corner of the road can come out of nowhere. And sometimes it's just a freak thing. It's like just something on, well, did I ever tell you guys the story about how I put a hammer through the floor of a Saab 9.3 that was born to one of our <laughs> no. customers? Do tell. Yeah. Well, that's one of those weird things. It's like you're driving along and this, there's a hammer lying in the road, a regular claw construction hammer and a truck, you know, obviously. And by the time you see it, it's too late. You can't avoid it. So mm -hmm. it, the front wheel of the car actually flipped it up and the handle went end straight up through the rocker panel of the car. Wow. I didn't even know that happened until we got it to the garage. This is years ago and I worked in retail. And I mean, we put it on the lift and deep, 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 there's this the end of a claw hammer hanging out the floor of the car. <laughs> I was just like, how does that happen? So, you know, there's freak stuff that can happen. Now, that only cost us, I think, five, $600 to fix. But when you're mm -hmm. talking about a $15,000 battery, you know what? You were driving hammered? Oh. Oh. So show bad. title. So yeah. Bad. There we go. There we go. There's always one. always count on Eric to find the right word to say. <laughs> but, of course, like Old Faithful. <laughs> Well, we'll keep an eye on this one. Uh, thanks for submitting the question, Erica. We'll keep an eye on this. Um, like I said, who knows? I mean, it could have been just a one-off thing. I have had the fiber board off the back of my car off because it is attached, you know, to the rear bumper fascia when I installed my bumper. And at least the part that actually connects to the battery feels like there's metal embedded there, like a thin sheet. But who knows? So anything is possible. All right, next question comes from uh, Ayers. He says, regarding the Gen 3 wall charger, which we just talked about before the break, 
Uh, will the Model 3 SR Plus be limited to 30 miles per hour, or will it get the 44 miles per hour? The manual only speaks of the Model 3 standard range. Um, there is a link on the uh, Tesla website. I went and looked at the, uh, wall, uh, the Model 3 wall connector chart. Unfortunately, I don't have it here in front of me. But anyways, it says Model 3 Standard Range Plus. Uh, the onboard charger is limited to 32 amp, which is 7.7 kilowatts. Requires a 40 amp circuit breaker. So the bottom line here is that, uh, no, it won't change. That's basically what you're going to get on that car. Mm -hmm. So it's it's limited. Now, if you had the limited long range the or the car, performance... The wall connector. It, exactly. Right. So if you had the long range or the performance Model 3, they have a 48 amp onboard charger. And that would max out the new Gen 3 charger. Yep. Um, my... Current charger that I have on there will do 72 amps, but the I could throw 72 amps at it, but my car would only ever pull 48. It's because right. it's limited to what the charger is on the car. So I hope that answers your question. He then asks a second question here. Do you think Tesla will release a CCS adapter for North America, or should I just order a Chatamo adapter? Oh, we talked about this so many times. Mm -hmm. um, CCS would be amazing on the Model 3. Um, yeah. You have to remember the Chatamo adapter that Tesla offers is limited to 50 kilowatts. Now, all of the Tesla, all of the Chatham adapters or Chatham stations out there, which are generally combo units, they're both CCS and, and Chatham. The Chatham is generally, at least for Tesla, is the slowest option you can get, short of supercharging. Um, you know, their CCS, are like a, what is it, uh, Electrify America, Electrify Canada have new stations that put out, and they're capable of 150 kilowatts. So that's nothing to sneeze at. And being able to get that on CCS would be awesome because obviously a Model 3 can support, uh, well, the long-range cars anyways, 250 kilowatts or 200 kilowatts on the standard range plus. Uh, it would be really nice to see that. And as far as we know, I think the adapter is available um, to S and X owners in Europe. I think it's $200 euros or something like that. Yeah, it's, um, it's not that bad. Yeah, so I would get one of these personally. It would be nice to have. I have a Chatamo adapter right now. I've used it four times. So, all right, let's. I start, don't know. Let's it's start up, pestering Elon. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. So it's up to you, Ares. I mean, it's nice to have a secondary adapter you can use. I mean, if you're out in the boonies and maybe you don't have a supercharger nearby, it's nice to have something that's fast DC charge capable. CCS would be preferable, but Chatamo is our only option right now. So, anyways, I might I might ping Elon and hopefully might get his attention. You never know with this guy. All right. Um, next question comes from Deep. He says, do you... Uh, pardon me? Charge your phone first before the battery dies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good Thank you. Respond <laughs> The world is ending. Yes. Um, Deep asks, uh, will you guys be going to the Battery Investor Day this year? N no, we'll not be going. I'll be watching it remotely, just like everybody else. Yep. Looking forward to it, though. We've talked about it on the last show. We're really looking forward to this. I think there's some really serious stuff that's going to come out of this. Would you, for you, is that one of the most, uh, probably the thing you're looking forward to most this year from Tesla, other than the Model Y reveal? Well, remember, Elon did say that they're not going to be showing any new products for a while. They're done with right. cars, at least for this year. So, But there's going to be some tech stuff coming out. And we know Battery Investor Day is certainly one of them. There's other stuff coming too, potentially Model Y delivery. Not a reveal, delivery. I'm sorry, a delivery Eight, event. Right. Um, there's always a possibility for that, so we'll see. But I'm the, definitely looking forward to this one. We've already seen it. That might have its own event later this year. Yeah. Well, there's always a possibility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Tesla Tesla traditionally has, so far, done a reveal on other products and then done a delivery event on every their products. So, Except for the Model X. It was revealed in 2012, and then they did initial deliveries in 2015, late 2015. So, yeah, that counts. All right. 
It's kind of going back. All right, next question comes from Ben. He says, I always appreciate the podcast with the roundtable conversations. Well, thank you. I appreciate that too. Uh, I'm running into the issue of forgetting something in the car. When I walk back out with my phone or key card, I find the car's locked. I even step a few feet away in the garage and the car looks locks just as I was about to turn back and get inside. Is there any workaround to keeping the car unlocked in my garage? <sighs> I wish there was a location-aware function where you could actually disable that. Like if you actually go in the garage... Mm-hmm. You could set a location, say, don't lock the doors in this location. Especially well, I know, if you use... Well, I know there's the walk-away door lock option that you can disable. Yes. So the car won't automatically lock when you walk out of it. Um, how long it keeps the car unlocked, uh, that's uh, to be determined. But I, that's one such option to check. One I, thing you I can... think it's permanent, Eric. I think if you don't lock it, it just stays unlocked. It's unlocked. But, but I mean, Is a, this a user profile thing? Because maybe if he's using uh, easy entry... Because there's a lot of settings that are stored on a per-user profile. So you unbuckle, and if you have easy uh, entry attached to that profile, you unbuckle, easy entry kicks in. So what about the possibility of going into the easy entry settings for walkway door lock and turning it off? Brilliant. That would work, I think. But it's still not location aware, which means that if he's in a, yeah. in a public place... Yeah. Now he would manually have to go in I mean, and, and do that. That's the behavior he's going to have to adapt to. If the biggest gripe is I'm at home, I don't want my car to always lock, yeah. then just enable that. I mean, either you every day toggle it on and off. So when you leave the house, yeah. you turn it on. When you don't, you turn it off. Or just conscious effort if the lock up and everything out of the car. Yeah, I okay. think the better solution is location aware. Well, but I don't think that's going to work because we know a location aware isn't super precise. So, I mean, imagine most people, when the car is in the garage, you know, often they might want to park it outside because you know, your partner's car is in the garage or whatever the case. So if the car is only 20 feet away outside, is it going to be so precise to understand it's outside? Now you walk away and the thing is sitting out there all night, unlocked outdoors. I don't know. True. Who knows? That's a question for the Tesla engineers. They're smarter than us. I want to capture that sounding. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, the sound of All right. car horror. We got a lot of questions. We got to move on here. Next one comes from Thomas. He says, I'm in Paris. Model 3 is quite big for European cities. Really? Um, is there I any chance it. we'll see? A... <laughs> I don't know. Model S is pretty big for U.S. Uh, yeah, for I mean, uh, three is wide. Cities. I would imagine a lot of European streets, it would be. I know. don't know. I mean, they have a lot of BMWs and stuff over there. I mean, I can't. See. I mean, it's the same size as a 3 Series. Mm, yeah, Anyways, but... I'm not about to. And he says, is there any chance we'll see a Tesla the size of an Audi A3 or VW Golf in the next two to three years? Uh, why has Tesla never mentioned the smaller car in their plans? Is it related to battery costs? Also, 6,000 euro incentives just ended in France for the EV. So the price of a Model 3 is now 50,000 euros. Uh, we should wait for the should we wait for the German factory uh, to be built before we see price drops. Uh, price drops will get corrected if they have something a little more local in the European markets. That's That's pretty much a given. We just saw it in China. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, as far as them doing a different car, yeah, I mean, you know, by the way, Tesla did release in China a link on their Weibo, Weibo, China, anyways, social media yeah. account in China, uh, a job fair for the design center. Unfortunately, I don't have a picture in here. One of the pictures that they put in there was this concept drawing of what looks to be like a little. A uh, hot hatch, a little hatchback. Of course, everybody's been lighting up on Twitter thinking, oh, this is the next car, this is the next car. Um, my point was when I told everybody, I said, when have you ever seen Tesla release a full sketch of a car they're ever going to do before they actually reveal it? It's not going to happen, folks. I, I would it shows that they're thinking about something like that, but it's not going to look like that. I would, I, would, I would hazard a guess that the Model 3 would be the smallest car they ever make. 
for now. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, there is a market for something a little smaller. For golf size, I think there's a market for that. I, I'm wholeheartedly 100% behind the idea that they never make a car smaller than Model 3, ever. They will never do it. I'm, I, there's just something in my gut that says they will never, ever, ever, ever do it. Because if they could, the Model 3 would have been smaller from the get-go. You think so? Yeah. They flip them off, but but Elon has talked about this, right? Like he's at one point he said, yeah, they'd maybe consider doing one. And then the last I remember was when they did uh, the autonomy day, and his point kind of became, well, you know, once we have the robo taxi fleet, we don't really see the point of chasing, you know, like the subcompact market because this the future is going to be this, you know, people people looking people with smaller transportation needs are just going to call up a robo taxi. I think was his his thinking process on it. There's, there, there, in, in some ways, it's leaving money on the table for that market. I think. Well, so, though. All right, so we, we know there was a period of time where there was the Yaris, the Honda Fit, uh, the Nissan Sen- uh, um, Versa. I mean, there were some of these subcompact cars, um, even the smart car and many others, but that market didn't take off after, like, I mean, maybe after a few years, they had some decent sales, but where are the cars now? I mean, they're still- Well, you have to remember the Europe. Yeah, but Eric, you have to remember the European market's different than North America. No, I, I get that. I'm I'm talking global Asia. numbers. I'm saying global numbers. Um, but I, I just I don't see them making a car like. I mean, look at Norway. How many electric cars they have? How many are tiny cars? Not a lot. It is important to remember, though, too, that they did say that at the design center in China that they will be de- uh, developing an electric car for the global market. So not just for the Asian market. So who knows what they're going to have. Anyways, possibilities are endless. Who knows what's going to happen? All right. Uh, let me see here. Silicos writes, uh, Will Green, the Tesla Twitter hacker, be able to hack a car again after the recent security patches did on their cars? Does this mean we won't get future unofficial sneak peeks? That's a really question. Only he can answer that. Mm-hmm. Um, he has somehow managed to root the car. I have no idea by what means he's done it. And there's hackers know about all this kind of stuff. Maybe there's a flaw that he's not disclosing. Who knows? I wish I uh, wish I knew, and uh, if I was to ask him, I doubt very much he would actually tell me exactly how he's done it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he wouldn't. Anything is possible. All right, next question comes from James. He says, I've been seeing videos, uh, videos of EAP-like features in other cars, such as Genesis or Volvo, traveling extended periods without the driver touching the steering wheel or receiving any alerts. Why is Tesla forcing us to touch the wheel all the time? Well, two reasons. One of them is because people are abusing the system. Mm-hmm. There was a time before Autopilot 2 came out, Autopilot 1 would go up to three minutes. Right? So they've been clawing that back. Second reason is, much like Alex Roy is one to say on uh, Twitter quite often, that Tesla is still not implementing a driver monitoring system. Eyeballs. Mm -hmm. If you're not paying attention, um, there are many other systems. Comma AI, for example, the little uh, thing that George Hotz makes for other cars has a driver monitoring system in there so there's been video andy sly just did a video with a friend of his um driving his model 3 compared to a kami ai system in his car and he was driving despite everywhere never touched the steering wheel that's because he was driver monitoring so those are the two reasons why tesla's doing it it's not to say that the model 3 can't do it because there is a forward-facing camera inside but tesla or elon has said they plan on using that for the robo-taxi fleet, not for driver monitoring. He's even gone to say, I think at one point, they tried it and it didn't work. Yeah, Which well, is, could be a cop-out. I don't know. Again, their position, I think, from Autonomy Day was, look, we're going to get to level four or five so fast that 
we won't need driver monitoring. Like cars are going to be able to do it by itself. So why waste the time developing it? You know, this is, seems to be their their could be. process. But those are the two reasons right now that we are aware of. All right, moving on. Next question comes from Kyle. What are the advantages of the new Tesla high-powered wall connector? It's just called wall connector now, James okay. or Kyle. <laughs> uh, you think it's worth upgrading um, already if you have the old one? Well, I kind of answered that during the segment I talked about with me upgrading. For me. Uh, because I'm a little propeller head and my little beanie on my head and I like technology and I'm upgrading. If you already have one, no. If you don't have one, I do recommend if you have the facility to install one to actually get one. And the reason is, well, two reasons. Depending on the car you have, it will charge faster than the built-in uh, uh, mobile connector you get with the car. And second one is convenience. I mean, it's nice to be able to just pull up and go click and forget about it if you have the mobile connector in your car all the time and you take it with you you got to unzip it and you have a pack i mean the times that i've used it at friends places it's a pain in the butt to have to roll up put it in the bag and unplug it and stuff i mean if you're only going to one place and leave it at home i mean i'm i'm the forgetful type i would go somewhere on a long trip and like what did i do with the mobile connector oh crap i left it at home right there is a by the way uh it's really quick if you do get one and you want to find an electrician who can install it for you tesla actually has on their website a tool where you can search for electricians based on your zip code uh that are certified in how to install both the outlet uh for 240 like in the us uh, and then the uh the wall connector so you're going to want to use that as a reference to start with okay uh, let's move on here. Next question comes from Alex. He says, we all know Gigafactory 4 in Germany will not be the last one. Where do you think GF5 will be? I have an idea, but what do you guys think? I don't think it's going to be in the U.S. Really? I don't think so. I think between Fremont and Reno, they have kind of enough going on in the U.S., uh, especially on the West Coast. Um... It would not surprise me if there's something in South America. That's a possibility. Uh, not Volkswagen has a very large plant in Mexico. Mm -hmm. That's always a possibility. Although Mexico is part of North America. True, but last we checked. <laughs> Anything is possible. I, I know. thought for sure. I mean, Elon did say. And find out that Mexico has now been changed. No, it's fine. It's part of yeah. <laughs> I thought Elon did say one time that there was a possibility of adding a second factory in North America. Maybe. Well, you know, if they're going to get the trillion-dollar valuation, as everyone is predicting in the next 10 years, I, I have no doubt they'll they'll build another facility somewhere else. But uh, I'm with Eric in the short term. It wouldn't make sense to me. I'd see it. But where would it be? I mean, you know, we did They would need another one in Europe, though, too, I think. Could it be Australia? Is there enough cars in Australia? Because they already have, I mean, right-hand drive cars. They can make those in China. It's a little bit closer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, do they really need to go to Australia for that? I mean, you, you got you got Europe coming online pretty soon. You're going to have one now in Asia. You've got what about Africa? Possible, but I mean, do you think with Europe and Asia being that close, it would have one in Africa? Well, I don't know. You know, Tesla has this much exposure in in Africa right now. They have no. Well, they have nothing. Me, South America makes sense because why not penetrate? Why not have a market in South America with electric vehicles? That's true. I mean, well, it, anything's it's possible. It's possible, uh, but uh, if I were to, if I were to be a betting man, which I am not, uh, <laughs> if I were to do that uh, just for entertainment purposes, I would uh, I would venture on South America. Okay. All right, moving on. This is a question for Ian. Comes from Carlo. He says, "Ian, 
The Model 3 Performance comes with Michelin Sport Pilot 4S 235-35ZR20. See, I said it the American way. And uh, the Treadwear is 300. <laughs> Any other less expensive tires which fit the wheel for uh, those liking speed uh, but want to save more money, uh, uh, save money on tires. Any options with the 500 to 600 Treadwear? I know the number. I know the number is uh, softness of the tire compound. Yes, um, I've got two possibilities for you. If you want to stay with something with a softer compound so that you keep maximum traction and performance but want a lower price tire, I'd highly recommend the Falcon Azenus FK510. That same spec uh, offers the same 300 treadwear, but it's considerably less expensive. I've had multiple sets of them. They're outstanding tires. I can't say enough about them. Falcon's one of those sort of, you know, under-the-radar tire companies that produces outstanding F-A-L-K-E-N. Correct, exactly. Can you put that, uh, Trevor, in the description notes for the yeah, show? Yeah, Ian, make sure you send me a link after yeah. the show, and I'll put be it happy in to. for everybody. So that would be your lower-cost alternative and something that has about the same wear. If you want to go the other route and, and go to a, a higher treadwear, uh, Michelin does make their outstanding uh, Pilot Sport AS3+, Plus, which is the all-season version of the Pilot Sport, and that's got a 500 treadwear, so you'd get a significant increase in tread life. You'd also get a better um, performance over a much wider range of temperatures, so I'm not, not sure where you're located, but if you get any cold or rainy weather on a regular basis or even odd touch of snow, um, the AS3 uh, Plus will do the job. Um, Wade Anderson, a man about in North America traveling all over the place, just put a set of those on his to go from Arizona up to um, the Northwest, and he's loving them right now. He's blasting through the snow. So that tire is in the higher price range. It's it's less expensive than the um, actual Pilot Sport 4S. So don't expect a drastic reduction in price, but you'll get way more mileage out of it. So the value is there. What's, uh, what's your expected uh, uh, treadwear life on those? Like how many miles would you say you'd get on those? So, yeah, it's so dependent on how you drive the car. I mean, you know, most of us with um, performance cars drive them like complete idiots. And I think that's how you're supposed to drive. Boons. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but if you're enjoying the car's performance, I suspect at the upper limit, you'd get 20, 25,000 miles out of a set, you know, so 40,000 wow. kilometers, give or take. That's being generous. I don't know if many owners are going to get that far. And that's assuming you're doing your rotations regularly. Because even though it's a dual motor car, I recommend you rotate. Because the rears, especially if you're in track mode at all, you're just going to torque. Yeah, rear. I know. I know. Um, because I'm, this is this is a fascinating conversation. Um, even Elon has said because of the way that the Model 3 is. Like I have a long-range rear-wheel drive Model 3. On my car, he says, you don't ever have to really do tire rotations. Do you Elon, disagree? With Elon's wrong. Okay. <laughs> I know. I, it's, I have amazing gall to say that, but I was really shocked. And I know I, we've, we've talked about this before and I saw his post. And I was like, if you drove it very gently or like driving the way you do, Eric, where you do a huge amount of highway and you're, you know, a, a relatively conservative driver, like you're not constantly jamming the thing to the floor, uh, you probably won't experience a huge difference in wear front to rear. But I mean, mm -hmm. in most other circumstances, if you're driving the car in a spirited manner, just the fact that it's powering the rear wheels and they, they get so much more torque abuse. Well, the, yeah, the rear bias. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's just you're going to wear the rears more than the front. It just it's got to be. Okay. Next question comes from Michael. It says, I'm new to Tesla's. I'm looking at one for my wife. She's terrible about low-speed crashes into stationary items like light poles, garage walls. I feel fences. like you should use a different name. 
her Honda her Honda Fit has damage on every side. Does the Tesla Autopilot have any features to help prevent this? Michael, I think you have a bigger problem on your hands. What I think you have to do is buy a Cybertruck. That's the solution. Well, the good news is, uh, Michael, if that's your real name, um, is that when you are parking the Model 3, for example, uh, I do it all the time, uh, you can have the chimes on. So once you're at about 12 inches from an object, whether it's a parking curb, a tree, a mailbox, whatever it is, the car will essentially tell you to stop, and you still have a foot of clearance between your vehicle and the object. By the way, the car will also show you measurements with the ultrasonic yeah. sensors. Yeah. So when you're getting close to objects and stuff, you know, slow down a little bit and then just watch the numbers and stuff. Right. It's pretty right. accurate. Yeah, yeah. And there's a little bit of a buffer, too, in the front, I've noticed. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, will autopilot prevent that? No, but you will get measurements around the car, a heat map of sorts. So it's quite handy. But um, I, I yeah. find that works really well in this car. But yeah. it will help if she has autopilot, with now the features are standard for auto park. And if she uses that, she, you know, if you're using it the way that it's intended, it will help you, you still have to be. Yeah, but you still have to be careful with auto park. I have seen I've seen it fail before and run into curbs, so you do have to be careful. Be on top of it. Be ready with your foot. All right. Next question comes from Mikey. Says, "Well, uh, while on autopilot, does reducing the speed via the right scroll wheel in five mile per hour increments activate the brake lights?" The answer is no. no. If you do it fast, um, not so much. But if you just if you just do it just regular, no, it's it's not enough of a brake. Um, the brake lights, um, and we had this question last week from someone else about uh, regen. Does the brake lights come on? The answer is yes, but there's an algorithm that simulates you driving a car with normal brakes. It just basically emulates the whole thing. So the person behind you doesn't have to, they don't know any different, right? Um but there's also acceleration involved in there. So if you let off, if if you have full regen and you let off the accelerator quickly, um, the the brake lights will come on. But there's an algorithm involved and stuff like that. But but as far as cruise control is concerned, no. There's a G. There's a G threshold. G, and it starts yes. accelerating at a certain amount of Gs. And you know what? I I had asked about that some time before, and someone had given me a link to the actual mathematical formula, mm -hmm. and unfortunately I don't have it in front of me. But there does exist one. Hmm. All right. Oh, uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Next question comes from Earl. He says, um, and not Earl, Frank Puppy, just someone else named you, Earl. Anyways, uh, do you suppose Tesla cars from different countries will speak other languages? Um, is he referring to the noisemaker? Or we don't know. I think because yeah, internally, I mean. Uh, oh, uh, maybe he's talking about the voice commands. That's what, yeah. Yeah, okay. Wondering. Um. Anything's possible. It's just waiting for software updates. Uh, you know, this is a localization thing, right? So if Tesla doesn't have the resources, well, we just have to wait a little bit. I, I've seen, I mean, Bjorn did a video where he was talking about the voice commands because he just got back from Thailand, got the software update, and um, he was doing, um, he'd switched his car over to Norwegian, and he was doing voice commands, and some of the, the prompts had come back, and they were in English. So there's some flippy-floppy going on in there, too. So, all right. Let's see here. Uh, 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 next question comes from Paul. He says, I have a Model S P85. Wow, Model S question. With 21-inch wheels, is um, it's winter in the UK, and I'm getting 410 watt-hours per mile. Does this sound about right, or am I just too heavy on the accelerator? I tend to commute 10 miles of city driving during the week or longer trips on motorway, motorways or weekends. Sorry about that. Perhaps Ian could explain the benefits or trade-offs of replacing 21-inch wheels for 19-inch wheels, save for not having to dodge as many potholes. 
Uh, I think, Trev, you had an X, so you're a little bit more conversant in that platform's um, control. Totally normal. That's what I would have said, you know? like Model I, 3 is way more efficient than the S and the X. The X is like the worst defender because yeah. it's a pig. Yeah. But so. I mean, I, I've often, you know, in winter hit 400 watt uh, hours per mile with my 3. You know, it's not hard to do. Obviously, it's a lot colder here than it is in the UK, but it sounds like it's in the zone. So I would say, uh, yeah, Paul, I think you're you're okay there. I wouldn't be too worried about it in colder weather. It sounds normal. Yeah, As sounds for the benefits of the smaller 19-inch wheels, well, that's just a simple matter of, of physics. If you make the wheel smaller in order to maintain the overall diameter, we've got to make the tire taller. So by having that taller aspect ratio or taller profile tire, you've got a lot more cushion to absorb uh, impacts you know, from potholes and whatever all else is on the road. So there's no question you're going to have way less chance of damage. Um, the other thing, too, is the bonus is that will reduce your consumption because the lighter wheels um, generally will, will help. Less inertial mass. Exactly, exactly. And and most of the 19-inch tires tend to be more touring-oriented and have better rolling resistance numbers. The the 21s are really performance-oriented. Their one goal is just to stick to the road. The energy is not not mm -hmm. a big deal on those. Okay. I learn something new every time I do the show with Ian. I love it. That's the whole idea. That's the whole idea. All sure. right, next question. We, we're got a lot of questions tonight. We're going to try and hit all of them as best we can. All right, next question comes from Kevin. He says, what's the likelihood we will see a Plaid Model X in December? Uh, what's the likely range? 450 miles plus or 500 like the Cybertruck? Um, well, Elon did say publicly that they're looking at um, October, November of this year for the Plaid powertrain S and X, although I think the X is going to come a little bit later than the Model S. We don't know exactly what's going on there. As far as 450 miles or 500 like the Cybertruck, that's only dependent based on if they do something about the battery. If they use the existing battery with new chemistry, maybe a 20% boost, but there's no way in hell they're going to get 450 to 500. Yeah, not, not, with, not without a double-layer battery pack, and that requires a whole different ball of wax as far as re-engineering the car is concerned. Um, so, yeah. I also you think, want, I think you want a Model X with a 500 mile range. It's called a Cybertruck. Well, I, I also think with the Model Y coming online this year, it doesn't make sense to then have a slightly larger vehicle do the same mileage. I, I just I don't I don't see that happening this year with the battery. Mm -hmm. All right, next question comes from Max. He says, um, now, he, Max, you submitted a very long question. Thank you very much, but we're going to reduce it down for a little bit here. He says, the white interior is still not available in Japan. Last June, Elon said they're trying to simplify production complexity by only offering technically black and white interior in high-volume markets. Would sales in Japan be higher if we had white seats? I'm uh, doing the Tesla stretch, so it would be great if I could get my dream car, or is it possible to start a campaign to ask Elon to finally offer the white interior in Japan? Very good question. And Max, I actually went on the Tesla website, and guess what? Um, Co South Korea is the only place in the Asia-Pacific countries where you can actually get the white interior on the Model 3. I literally checked every country, and the white is available everywhere, except for Korea in the Asian-Pacific markets. Why? I have no idea. Hmm. It's just white. Is it a material thing? I mean, why? It's. it's I think it's... I think it's very strange in this case. I do think it will show up eventually as to why. I don't know. I mean, they're all made in the same factory. Yes. And uh, and they're available in, in the UK, so it's not a right-hand drive, left-hand drive thing. I would suspect no. uh, the MIC Model 3s coming online, the made-in-China cars, for those that don't yeah. like acronyms. Um, which, by the way, Tesla loves their uh, 
their uh, three letter acronyms are TLA. Yeah. Um, but no, if the if the MIC does come online uh, now with the white ones, then I think you'll see it pretty soon. I, I, I don't I don't I think with now they want to simplify production just in the outset. Uh, but I, I don't see it taking a whole long time before they're producing both black and white interiors in China. So, Max, if you want the white interior, don't compromise. Wait it out. It mm -hmm. will happen eventually. And if you like it, you like it. I will recommend one thing, though. If you do get the white seats, please uh, spend a little extra dollars and uh, get the seat ceramic coated right away, especially if you wear blue jeans. Okay? Just an FYI for you. Okay. Um, Eric, you want to take this one from Max because he submitted another one. For me? Oh. This one's right up your alley. Uh, I heard Eric's previous car was a Honda Fit. It's true. Uh, my family and my in-laws both have a Honda Fit, so it's the car I am most used to driving. Could he compare the difference in driving experience and maintenance between a Honda Fit and a Model 3? How it, was it going from a Honda Fit to a 3 as a Honda Fit driver? Do you feel there was much difference between the long-range all-wheel drive and three uh, Model 3 performance? suspensions and wheels looking forward to his thoughtful answer thank you so much hey max thanks for the questions um so that's a lot of content you know try to be very brief so the the honda fit i had was a 2012 honda fit and uh it was um certainly showed its age very quickly because there's been changes a lot of changes to the honda fit since then um i like driving it it was a, it was a very efficient car uh very fuel efficient maintenance was easy uh honda puts a maintenance minder uh in the honda fit so you know when oil changes are necessary which was about every ten thousand miles which is seems crazy uh you need to change the oil filters about every twenty thousand miles uh, but it would tell you when your tires are due for rotations when to change your fluids clean your air filter that sort of thing so maintenance was a breeze because you didn't have to think about it. The car sort of told you when things were to be done. Um, it was a very, um, the one thing I will say about driving it was it's, it's the motor is very tiny. Um, I think it has a 1.8 liter engine, which uh, you're having to rev it up. Huh? Yeah. When, when you're so quick story, when I was moving to California in 2015, my car was essentially loaded. I fit everything I owned into my fit and I'm driving up California mountain. So mind you, this car is not designed to handle that kind of load. And it's just like, <laughs> all the way up the damn hill. Um, so it's, it struggles. I'm like, come on, baby, let's go. We're doing this together. Um, so you're always, <laughs> you're always rooting for the car to do something. Um, but it, but it's a very, it was a very great city driving car. Um, it, it got me a lot of places, very fuel efficient. I would get, it has like a 10 gallon tank, a little over 10 gallons. And I could easily get 300 and seven miles out of it. So with fuel efficiency, was fantastic. Um, that being said, converting to the Model 3 was just, it was amazing. Um, maintenance, we've talked earlier in the show about the story about the 115,000 mile Model 3. You do next to nothing in terms of maintenance. I have done... Winter wiper fluid. This will make me unhappy. I've done tire rotations. I know. He's muted, but I've done, I've done tire <laughs> rotations. No, it's because I've got the cat here and he's going to make all sorts of sounds. You got to do this. You got to do this, Ian. That's yeah. the other one. I've got the white one over there. A million dollars. I've done applications. I've done uh, um, fluids uh, for the wipers, and I vacuum the carpets. That's about it. Uh, in terms of overall drive feel, you can't compare them. I mean, the Honda. Listen, again, the Honda Fit for an economy car is a great car. Um, I certainly chose that over the Hyundai Elantra when I went to go buy it. Um, in due part because of its cost to maintain the car is very low, but you, the model three is just, 
it blows it away in terms of drive suspension, in terms of feel, in terms of performance, in terms of everything. Um, as far as the all-wheel drive versus the performance, um, I've had the chance, having previously worked um, for uh, for Tesla, to drive uh, all of their cars. And I mean, every variant there is of their SX and 3. Um, I will tell you, um, having not driven with Ian before, I would imagine if I did, I need to carry a vomit bag just as a precaution. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ian has a lead foot that even lead goes, that's heavy. Um, <laughs> Trevor, I could actually ride in his performance three. Cause if we we're going to go to the store, it'd be like, we're driving my car where it's like, you know, there's more performance in here, right? You know, it, it'd, be, it'd, be like, it'd be like going to a hot bar at a taco place and getting the mildest sauce there is. That's just like riding the car. <laughs> oh, um, but, but to me, they're not the suspensions are about the same. It's really just how the car's pickup is. And so to me, the driving feel, the performance, as Ian said, the car sticks to the road better. So it, it handles turns. Uh, I mean, you really feel it uh, when you're accelerating from zero. So um, I hope that answers all your questions. I mean, I know the Honda Fit uh, in Japan's the Honda Jazz. Yay. Um, but yeah, if when you finally get your car, Max, you're going to realize what you're missing. Uh, Max. Forget about it. Model three is so much better. Yeah, and drive like Ian if you if you end up <laughs> a car, please. Don't drive like this old man. <laughs> yeah, even 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 Trevor's wife is like, seriously, get out of the car. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> I know when she's been driving my car because the energy graph looks like Mount Everest. <laughs> <laughs> I do drive mine spirited on occasion. Though. On occasion. On occasion. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see here. We got to move on here. Next question comes from Renee says, why don't automakers give the public a choice on what design they will produce next? Why not put out a few concepts and let the public vote on it? Well, that's because they're all designed by committee and focus groups and people and bean counters. And, um, there's a reason you touch on a reason point though, Trev, because in a sense, focus groups are public voting on it. It's just in very small concentrated numbers. Yeah, you know, the problem is, is you get all these little fiefdoms inside the other companies and stuff. I mean, if you want a really good idea, well, not a really good idea, but Franz, for example, I mean, he's worked at several other companies before, before he worked at Tesla. And he even said on Ryan's podcast, because he got an interview, um, that, you know, the difference between Tesla and the other companies is that, he, you know, he's worked for the other companies, is that there's a lot more politics and a lot more bureaucracy inside the other companies and stuff. And decisions don't get made by one guy. It's always a bunch of people and stuff like that. So the products end up being watered down. At Tesla, you basically got Elon and you got Franz, and that's basically it. Uh, you know, it's like the old days at Apple, at, uh, you know, it's Steve Jobs. He's the guy that says, yes, this is the way it's going to be. So that's that's the reason. Well, I would also think in due part because, and this is just the experience of working in retail, people tend to want something that satisfies their own idea, but it's not something that would be largely lauded by other people. So it's hard to have someone say, well, my I wish my car had such and such. Right, that's your car. It may not be practical for every other owner there is. And it's hard to get people to think of what the global community would want to have or the car would need versus an individual only thinking of themselves. There's no such thing as a perfect car for every, you know, a perfect car that fits everybody perfectly. Everybody's going to be a bit bitching about something. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what the manufacturer Like the Cybertruck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mark Benton hates the Cybertruck. Some people love it's it. The Mark, one. Mark Benton. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mark. We love you, buddy. We love you, Mark. But you go through cars like I go through running shoes. Seriously. Can you stick with a car for a year? My gosh. Yeah, Mark's off, but his, his, his car rotation routine is dizzying. Yes. All right. We still love them, though. All right. Last question. 
Yes. <laughs> Last question of the evening comes from Jason. Um, I know you don't technically have Elon's ear, which is true, uh, but you do sometimes have the t- uh, the timing uh, needed to catch his ear on Twitter. Uh, maybe you can ask him two requests for the Cybertruck. One uh, should be a heated steering wheel for those of us in colder climates. I would agree. Again, we don't know all the specs on the Cybertruck yet, yet and what packages they're going to offer. Um, it's a nice feature to have, I would agree. Um, two uh, should be should be on improving the amount of noise inside the vehicle. Wind noise doesn't seem to be as big a deal as the road noise coming from the tires through when this is brought up first. Uh, thinking about wind noise. Yeah. Um, wind noise, wind noise. You know what? The thing I've noticed on my car, I mean, I've had an X, I've had a 3. I noticed there's more wind noise coming from the Model 3's mirrors than the X ever did. Now, the X has a little bit more sound deadening in the car than the 3 does. That can be rectified with, you know, retrofits and stuff. I'll tell you right now, if they can deliver the Cybertruck without mirrors, I don't think you have to worry about it too much. No, I... I think that goes for any car, for that matter. There's a lot of noise that comes from those mirrors. Well, it's funny. A lot of people who did the ride-along in the the Cybertruck at the uh, the reveal said, you know, they heard an enormous amount of sound from the tire, but that's because they had those ridiculous MTR Goodyear's on it. I mean, which looked the bomb. I mean, they're fantastic on it. But <laughs> of course. holy cow, you wouldn't catch me driving those around every day. I mean, it's like sitting in a blender. Um, but yeah, I think on the Cybertruck, it'd be interesting to know because it's such a strange shape. I mean, they say it's way more aerodynamic than it looks at first glance. But um, it'd be interesting to see what it's going to be like at high speed for noise. I'll be very curious. Yeah, me too. By the way, can we can we make a quick mention of the fact that they they have the Cybertruck T-shirt with the broken glass? Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> Talk about owning the mistake, right? That is, it's, that's, that's it was the best mistake to have. I mean, look how much press they got over that. Mm-hmm. Right, it was awesome. Well, that's the end of the questions. I want to say thank you for everybody for submitting. Oh, um, the, I know, I know, but I mean, otherwise we'd end up with three hours worth of podcast. Nobody wants to sit around. Hey, we want to say thank you for everybody for joining us and giving us, you know, what is this now? An hour and twenty minutes of your time already. I think uh, I need. I think we need to wrap it up though because we don't like to go much longer than this. All right, um, Ian, since you're always always on my far right, why don't you start and tell us where they can find you? People want to chat with you. Well, alrighty then. So on Twitter, the handle is at Ian Pavelko, and um, DMs are open. So if you have any questions there, just fire them up. And uh, on Tesla Owners Online, the forum, you can find me. The handle is Mad Hungarian. Um, same thing. Just send me over a message or on any of the threads, particularly Wheel and Tires. That's where I normally hang out. But anywhere that I might be able to answer anything for you, I'm happy to try and help. And uh, finally, if you're looking for some type of um, new Tesla-oriented wear gear, uh, there is the um, teespring.com is where you want to go. And I have a shop there called uh, Mad Hungarians Evolve Wear. And there's a whole range of different Tesla-themed T-shirts that you can purchase. And a portion of um, the funds raised from those goes to various EV um, electric vehicle organizations such as Plug-in America. Um, in Canada, also uh, various EV organizations across the country. And here in Quebec, it goes to uh, LAVEC, the Association de Véhicules Électriques de Québec. Wonderful. Say that three times fast. (laughs) All right. Thanks for that, Ian. And uh, Eric, where can people find you? (laughs) Ha ha! Oh, boy! Um, He's wearing his Mickey Mouse hat again. Right. You guys can find me um, at the EV&T event coming up here in South Florida on February 8th. You can reserve your spot now. The first 500 registrants for the event receive an awesome gift package from our sponsors of the show, Evanex. Um, 
So that's a cool thing coming up. I'm sure Ian and Trevor will talk about it as much as I will at some point on social media. Again, get your spot. The reservations are filling up pretty quickly. It's going to be a really huge event. Um, hopefully the weather will be fabulous. So we'll see. Um, other than that, like I said, I'm moving on Sunday. So you guys will see me from our new broadcast studio. A new studios coming up uh, next week. But uh, my thanks to all the new listeners, all the questions. Thanks to Max in Japan and everybody else. Um, Ian with his amazing knowledge. And Ian, if you could, before we sign off tonight, with all the books behind you, can you recommend one book our listeners and viewers? That's a great should, idea. We should do that. Uh, before the next show? Well, yeah. I mean, the first and most obvious one would be um, the biography by Ashley Vance on uh, on Elon. I mean, uh, that you have to have it. I mean, so basically, Ashley Vance, what's the title of the book? It's probably behind me somewhere here. Let's go see. <laughs> Molly's looking for it. He knows. There it is. There it is. There it is. Right here. That that is the book you want. Elon Musk by Ashley Vance. This is the bio book to start with. Yeah. There's a lot more we could go into, but yeah, that would be my first choice for anybody. You know, wants to learn from the base what's what's going on with this company. Yeah, we should do we should do some book recommendations. If you guys like uh, the idea of book recommendations, let us know in the comments and stuff. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks for that. Well, I guess that leaves me. Um, if you want to follow me, uh, the handles uh, <laughs> Model Three Owners on Twitter. I got something else on my mind right now, but I'll get over this here in a second. Uh, you can follow me on the forum. The handles Trev P at TeslaOwnersOnline.com. Now, I want to pick up where e uh, Eric had left off here. Yes, um, <clears throat> it's finally been announced. EVSNT.com. If you go to the website, I'll bring it up here. You guys can see it. This is where you can RSVP. We uh, we have some 400 people or something that have reserved now. We have spots for up to 3,000 people. This is a huge event. Please come and see us. We will be there Saturday, February 8th. Uh, it runs from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. at Base Camp Miami. Uh, Miami, And it's, uh, yeah, it's right, right near to the downtown area. And uh, it is sponsored by the guys at Evanex Inside EVs, all the way down here. There we go. My EV, Evanex Inside EVs, Plug in America, Tesla Owners Online, EV Design Studio. Bunch of people will be there. I'll give you an idea of who's going to be. I got to scroll up here a little bit. Okay. And while he's Myself. doing that, uh, this will be the week after the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl here in the U.S. is on uh, February 2nd in Miami. So this is the Saturday after the big game. That's true. We've traditionally done Cars and Coffee on Super Bowl Sunday, but because this is a much bigger venue and stuff, we decided to wait a week. Anyways, um, Anwar Beck from the uh, Tesla Geeks will be there. Eli Burton of Tesla Adventure, also known as Starman, is going to be there. Signature Custom Wraps, Tesla Owners of Florida, Rafael Santoni. Our friend Michael Bodner will be there as well. Um, unveiling of a large-scale Cybertruck art installation. That'll be kind of cool. Um, and of course, our crew from Tesla Owners Online will be there. So please sign up at the uh, EVs and T website. That's EVs and T, T E A dot com. I'll put a link in the show in the video description. You guys can check it out. We'd love to be able to see you there. Hopefully, the weather will hold this out. And uh, so some of us are going to be on vacation in Florida. So it's going to look out really good. All right. Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. I want to say thank you for everybody for joining in. I know it's a little bit longer than usual, but we're going to sign off and we will see you next week at the next show. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you later. Bonsoir tout le monde. Goodbye, everybody.